Hello and welcome to the Politics in the Pulpit podcast. It's a lectionary-based preaching resource designed to ask the provocative question of whether and how politics should appear in our preaching this week. Uh, my name's uh, David Main. I'm a Baptist minister based in Shoebury-Ness in Essex, and I'm going to be hosting uh, the podcast until uh, Advent this year. Each week, I'm going to be joined by a different guest uh, from a different place um, in terms of geography, in terms of ecclesiology and the political landscape. And today, I'm delighted that with us, we have Reverend Anne Bennett, who's the vicar at the Church of the Ascension in Blackheath in South London. And welcome. Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me on. It's really good to have you with us uh, today. Um, so politics in the pulpit, what does that mean uh, for you? Uh, and can you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and whether you see yourself as a, a pulpit politician? I don't think you can avoid being a pulpit politician. I mean, we're all shaped by the people we are, the background we've got. I mean, I'm a woman, I'm white, so I've got working class origins worked all my life in male-dominated workspaces like logistics and the church. Um, but I'm middle-aged, I'm educated. All those things, they, they make me, they form who I am, but they're not the only things that define me. We've all got our passions. Um, we've all got politics. And I don't see how you can preach without bringing those in. And there used to be a, a thing at theological college where they said, you know, the pulpit is not for personal disclosure. But I think that hides from the fact that we all, have a personal standpoint. It hides from all the implicit biases that we have, and it's better to know those and focus on those and, and think about how we can be the best people we can, rather than pretending that we're some sort of neutral voice of God, which is what you're doing if you're saying that, you know, I have no biases, I'm not personal. So, but um, I've always been um, passionate about justice issues, lifelong supporter of human rights, Amnesty International, reprieve and so on. So my preaching very much focuses on justice, but justice and mercy. Um, and I've also got a background in prison chaplaincy. So um, I, I feel very strongly about justice issues in every sense, if you like. Mm. How does that um, play out uh, in your current context in, in Blackheath? Are there sort of any sort of key justice issues that are, are big uh, on your radar at the moment? Well, it's a fascinating parish in that, I mean, I, it wasn't me who described it as such, but it's it was described as the most divided parish in Southwark because um, it's got um, heavy areas of deprivation and some of the most middle-class housing in South London, some of the most desirable streets, um, all in the same very small parish. So it's, it's a fascinating parish. And there are, yes, a lot of justice issues. Um, we've also got a strong tradition at the Ascension of being supporters of human rights. Um, but right now, the, the thing that's on all our hearts is the climate emergency, which I think should be on the hearts and the lips of every preacher. Um, there's also the situation in Afghanistan and how we as a church respond to the needs of refugees and the oppression around the world of LGBT people, of women, they're all on my heart. They all come out. They all come out in um, my preaching. Great. And one of the things, uh, in terms of adding to that context, we do each week on the podcast is we ask the JPIT team for a little heads up on uh, some of the things that are going to be going on in politics and and public issues. 
and they've noted three particular things for us this morning as part of our context. First is that Parliament's back and we can expect uh, political debate focused on Afghanistan and on social care funding, a lot trailed uh, this morning and over the weekend. That this week the Work and Pensions Committee is taking up evidence on the impact of cutting universal credit next month in the wake of uh, a letter from 100 charities urging the government to keep the lifeline. And then for churches, it's the season of creation. And you mentioned about the climate emergency in my own church yesterday. That was a big focus of our service. And on the JPIT website, there's uh, a significant amount of excellent resources that people can use to help uh, lead and stimulate conversation amongst their congregations. And indeed, uh, our friends uh, at Eco Congregation Scotland have a superb website with all sorts of things there as well. Of course, I don't know uh, how this impacts where you are, Anne, but um, I know for us here, um, you know, the, the, the spectre of the pandemic still looms very large. Um, we're open for, for worship, but there's a number of people who still haven't really left the house much, never mind uh, gathered to, to worship and uh, conscious with schools going back. That, that's still a key part of the, the context in which we're, we're ministering and speaking at the moment. How's that been for you? Yeah, we're back in person. We're still streaming and we've got a commitment to carry on streaming um, indefinitely because it's been found to be um, a lifeline for people who can't come to church for whatever reason. Um, uh, and it's it's good to be back. Um, but I, I think it's, I mean, it, the whole um, online ministry thing has raised an awful lot of questions for me about preaching and um whether you, if you go for a streaming approach, it's always you telling other people. There's, um, if you go for a Zoom approach, then it's much more people can participate in worship. But Zoom is, by its very nature, excluding. You have to be invited. And I think that's been an interesting dynamic for churches. Mm, very much so. I think so. So let's turn to our lectionary text for this week. Um, we have texts from Proverbs one and from Mark eight and from James three. Um, having got those readings, uh, where would you start? Um, is there a particular theme that you you sense coming out of all of them, or is there one which sort of uh, captures your your spirit more than the others? Where would you begin? As, as soon as I looked at them, uh, I mean, they're all great texts. I could preach on them all, actually. You know, sometimes you think, oh, no, what am I going to do with this? And sometimes it's a, it's a question of choosing. Um, but at the very first line, wisdom crying out in the street, um, I, I thought if ever there was a time when wisdom's crying out in the street to be heard, it's now. So, so yes, that, that sort of sent so many hairs running in my mind. But um, I, I think I would look at that. I mean, they're all, they're all warnings, these um, readings, they're sort of, not heeding wisdom, not heeding your own mistakes in James and guarding your tongue, um, and Jesus' warning about setting your mind on human things and not on what's really important, on not on what's divine. Um, and that, that, I think, does take a theme all the way through. But, yeah, I'd be thinking about wisdom shouting out in the street. Mm. Yes, I, I think I'd come to the conclusion that Proverbs would be where I would be starting and basing most of my reflections. So perhaps we'll start there that's all right and have a, a few moments reflecting on on that passage um 
So we're in Proverbs 1, 20 to 33. Um, what, what struck you about this passage and uh, where, where's the good news and the bad news, do you think, in terms of justice? Well, it's... Um, the, the bits I highlighted were, were that she's standing at the busiest corner. She's trying to make herself heard. And I was thinking of, you know, what's your stereotype of a woman in a marketplace? It's someone who's gossiping to her neighbours. And she's not. She's saying, listen to me, hear me. I have something to say. And she she will not be overlooked, and I I thought that was that was wonderful that um, the the strength of the person persona of wisdom that's brought out here, um, and that but it's it's so contemporary, isn't it? Scoffers delighting in their scoffing, um, and people who hate knowledge. You know, there's so much in here about fake news, and it, it's I mean it would be easy to cheat actually. It'd be easy to just sort of apply it to modern yeah. day life too easily but but there's definitely something in there about that you know there's nothing new under the sun you know people have always been um hating of knowledge because knowledge disrupts that what they what they want to think and how they want to behave yeah i uh thought there was a, a quite a lot here in how um it, it felt very much it, so it had a resonance with some of the the prophets uh, and they're sort of the speeches that they make. And of course, um, wisdom speaks in, in chapter eight and chapter nine of Proverbs as well. But there's a um, being willing to risk public contempt to reach those who will choose the fear of the Lord to take the verse in, in verse 29. And there is a there is a real strength of character about the wisdom that's being shared here, which I found mm -hmm. quite compelling. Um a bit earlier on in Proverbs 1, I read back and it, it equated wisdom there with righteousness, justice and equity in verses 3 and 4. Mm. And I thought, well, again, there's so much to take and, and share from that. Um, I was trying to think about what the, the equivalent of us being on the busiest corner, the entrance to the city gates might be. Now, I hadn't settled on an answer yet, but I was working out where does that mean we need to be in, in sharing. Um, Oh, well, it definitely says something about not just inside the church. Yes. Um, you know, if, if wisdom doesn't sort of go and stand in the synagogue, and they probably wouldn't have let her anyway. But, you know, she, um, she, she stands where she's, in a sense, least likely to be heard, but most seen by the most people. Um, and I think, I think there's still a case for being on the streets today. Um, I think that protest on the streets is a, a long and honourable tradition. I worry that, um, and this is where I would, one place I would start to get political, I think, is that um, there are threats to the rights to protest in um, openly in some places, more covertly in others. But I really worry that our government's been putting limits on the right to protest, that you're not allowed to annoy people anymore. Um, it's really important that we can annoy people and that people are willing to be annoyed because that's sometimes the first stage in changing. Um, yeah, of I, I yeah. mean, I, I was thinking about um, whatever your opinion of the tactics of Extinction Rebellion, um, disrupting a bit of traffic is nothing to the disruption you're going to get from climate change. You know, they're willing to stand on the street corners and be heard. And... If you ask them why, they will say it's because we've been trying every other way. I know some quite respectable middle-aged people 
who have joined Extinction Rebellion because it's just not being heard any other way. And I wonder if that's why she's standing on the street corner, because nobody is listening to wisdom. Mm. I like that. I hadn't made the connection with with XR in my, in my head, so that's, uh, I'm making notes as I go through as well. Um, one other thing I picked up here, looking at um, the beginning of the, the passage, it, it suggested that the shouting out, it sort of is the, the word it translates almost like sort of a piercing cry. It's it's not um, speaking normally, but a bit loudly. It is uh, something that sort of, in a way that that sort of, trying to find the, the right words for it, it kind of, you, it gets heard on a different level. It gets heard amidst the hubbub of other noises. There's, it's, a, mm -hmm. it's a different type of sound and therefore it kind of pierces through the other noise. And I thought there's something about the clarity of it that I thought was quite a challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Is there anything else in the Proverbs text that you've you've noted uh, this early in the week? Um, I think I think there's a real dynamic about wisdom being a woman in this in, and um, crying out to be heard in a patriarchal society. And I think the writers have done this really deliberately that wisdom doesn't just come from those who've got access to media or education. Um, or the networks of the rich, if you like. You know, she is um, just an ordinary person. And, and when I when I was going into the digging deeper, I was thinking about this, that, that um, God doesn't call always the person you would expect God to call. I mean, that was one of the things that, that came to me as I was looking through, um, as I was looking through the reading is, why was she made a woman? It's not just a tradition. There's more than that in this. There's something about her cry of despair that needs to be heard. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And and what we've seen in the news so much about um, it with Afghanistan, just that seems so very relevant, doesn't it, as well? I mean, it's always relevant. It's a, a permanent problem, but it it, it's been very much front and centre of the news as well. Uh, yeah, and those, those women in Afghanistan being willing to protest. Yeah. You know, actually, I mean, I have never seen anything so brave as that woman who, uh, a picture I saw this week of a woman who walked up to a Taliban guy and took his microphone off it and started shouting through it. I mean, how brave is that? Mm. You know? Yeah. Sounds very much like uh, the wisdom we see in Proverbs 1. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Should we drift into James? Yeah, um, I didn't spend so long on James because I was very taken with the Proverbs reading. But I, I was thinking about, um, again, the consequences of speech. It's almost a, the wisdom passage is about speech and, and we will be heard. And then James is about the consequences of speech, how great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire. And I was thinking about some of the, the small voices that we've managed to have amplified of late and um, how important it is. Uh, one of the things that struck me about wisdom was when you preach on a passage like that, it's very easy to think that we are wisdom. It's very easy to identify with the hero. And actually, we're more likely to be the people who aren't listening. Um, you know, if you are certainly if you're in the pulpit, you're not someone who's not being heard. You know, you may not have as big a congregation as you'd like, but you're the one with the voice. And so you're, the question you have to ask yourself is, who are you not listening to? 
not why are they not listening to me? And I think with James, there's this sense of the tongue being a fire. It's so powerful. You know, are we using our voices for good? Are, am I, by preaching, keeping someone else out of the pulpit is an interesting question. Oh, yeah, always. Yeah. Um. I, I confess I struggled initially with reading the, the James passage only because it's a passage that feels very familiar and one which I have preached on a number of times. And so, you know, it's one of those texts where you look at and you think, I'm not sure that I have anything to say here at first reading. But actually, then when you read it in the light of Proverbs, actually it finds a new life, or at least it has for me mm. in preparation for, for this morning. Yeah. I mean, do you not get the sense in the Bible that women start in, in the New Testament that, that female Christians started to speak and the hierarchy started to panic? Oh, be quiet, women, be quiet, be silent. You know, it's um, because... And you can see it immediately kicking in. Why are these women speaking up? What right do they have mm. to speak? You know, and I think the fact that it's in there doesn't necessarily mean you can't argue with it. You know, no. I think it's really interesting how the hierarchy crunches down on the women speaking. Yeah, um, and I, I would contrast that explicitly with the wisdom reading. You know, here it is in Jewish tradition: the woman standing on the corner and raising her voice. How dare you try and shut women up? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, I worry about people who see it and, and don't argue with it in a way. You know, I, I think if it doesn't trouble you, I'm not sure you've really read it sometimes. I think that's uh, one of the challenges. And, and I was at the end of the James reading in verse 12, it talks about um, it not, you know, the implication is it's not possible. Um, you've got a salt spring and fresh water. Um, this is not just about what you say. It's the motivation from which it comes. In Matthew 12 and Luke 6, Jesus says similar things about from the, uh, for the mouth speaks of what the heart is full of. Mm. And I think as well, uh, for me, that was a, a connection with the, with the wisdom in Proverbs as well. And that the, the speech is so much a consequence of our internal life and our um, how we live out our faith um, as yeah. well. Yeah, it's a, it's a call to a call to holiness, um, guarding your tongue. But also, if you're holy, you wouldn't want to say the wrong things. And I I, I find it's difficult as a as a minister to both remain positive and to cry out about injustice. It's a real dilemma. Um, you know, we are preaching good news. We have good news to preach. And at the same time, we're supposed to shout out against injustice. And and we're not supposed to talk all the time. So, so yes, you have to balance. And I think I, I love the images in the James, um, the James reading. I was thinking today about how much we can learn from the fact that all the biblical images are so embedded in nature. Um, that's, you know, he actually talks, it could be so contemporary, this, you know, the cycle of nature, you know, the, the wildfires disrupting the cycle of nature. The, um, you know, the, this is, there's a real understanding, I think, of the nature, about the, the way the world works, about senses of balance and holiness and um, personal holiness, but also keeping the world holy. Um, mm -hmm. And in a way that we've defiled the world. I'm not quite sure where I'm going with this one, but there's definitely an, 
an alternative stream of thought here, which I wouldn't include yeah. in the same sermon, but I think there's somewhere interesting to go with that as well. Um, James is one of the, the best users of all these nature images, kind of fig tree yield olives or a grapevine figs or salt water yield fresh. It's, it's beautifully written um, and so pertinent. Let's uh, drift on to the, the gospel reading from Mark chapter 8. I'm very much at the, the beginning of sort of a, this new section of, of Mark's gospel, isn't it? Or towards the beginning. Um, but what, uh, what struck you from, from this reading? Well, there's the great question, who do people say that I am? Um, I actually preached a couple of weeks ago about the idea of an identity crisis. And I mentioned this, not realizing it's coming up in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Everybody at some stage in their life will have some kind of identity crisis and churches have identity crises too. Only Jesus doesn't have an identity crisis. So other people have it on his behalf. You know, they're all asking him, who are you? And we need to define you. We need to put you in your box. And um, people are saying, oh, he's a prophet. Oh, he's John the Baptist. Um, He's Elijah, but he's saying, who do you say that I am? What is your response to me? And I, I think it's I think it's really important that we we centre our identity in Jesus and not the other way around. You know, it's not Jesus isn't part of my identity, I'm part of I'm part of the body of Christ. I think um, it puts it puts Jesus very properly at the centre. That's one of the things that struck me. And the other is if you were preaching with the James reading as well. So James is talking about holiness and the idea of, um, you know, keep guarding your tongue and living the kind of life that means you won't say the wrong things. And Jesus here also says, set your mind on to divine things, not human things. And I think that's um, a route you could go down and preach on very profitably as well. You know, what in all the clamour, in all the crises of today, what would be the things that would concern Jesus and I think they would be hungry children I think they would be um, oppressed women I think they would be it's always the people with Jesus it's not sort of the systems or anything else he would say who is suffering here and how can I help um, and if you're going to set your mind on divine things that is setting your mind on scripture and it is setting your mind on prayer, but it's also setting your mind on the people Jesus loved. Yeah. And, then, and yeah, there's something again about the idea of identity and identity in Jesus in the, at the end of the gospel as well. Those who are ashamed of me and my, my words, we, we should never be ashamed of the words of Jesus. And that's one of the reasons I think you need to engage with the difficult texts is because you cannot be ashamed of the Bible. You have to acknowledge what's in the Bible and say this is our scripture with all all the terrible things and all the wonderful things in it. Um, yes, I don't come from a tradition um, or even in my own sort of church history of, of basing what we do on the lectionary. And yet increasingly I find it so helpful precisely for that reason because I can't avoid... The difficult text i can't just do the bits that i sort of generally know where i want to go actually i have to wrestle with things that actually are uncomfortable sometimes and that's actually a jolly good thing to do 
Yes, and it stops you preaching the sermon you want to preach, you know. um, And I think sometimes that's a good thing, because if you really need to preach that sermon, it will be there anyway. um, You know, I mean, last week I was, um, because we were theming our service on creation and climate, I did choose the readings, which is a a rare thing for me. Um, And it was so interesting there were so, so many readings I could have used. Mm. Um, and in choo- choosing the readings, if you live on the lectionary all the time, is also sometimes very valuable. So I, th- I think if you have the lectionary as your general structure, sometimes to move away from it is very helpful. Um, because the thing that struck me again was this thing about there are so, so many things which are applicable to climate change in the Bible. You would think there aren't, but there are, there are, thousands and thousands of images drawn from balance, the balance of nature um, and the understanding, that kind of existential fear that the people of Israel had of being wiped out is the same fear that the human race is beginning to feel now, that the whole human race might be wiped out. So there's an awful lot that the Bible says to today's experience and today's, particularly today's experience in climate emergency. But I do normally prefer to run with the lectionary and see what the lectionary says to me rather than the other way around. Mm. So, and given the text that we've had for, to, for this week, um, does any of, of the things that have, have come up so far impact how you think you'll preach on these texts? Um, how how will you sort of run with the grain of the scripture in this? Will it impact the uh, the method as well as the content? It's quite tempting to sort of shout out from the corner of the church. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but probably a more true enactment would be to get someone else to do it. Hmm. Might be to get one of the young people to, you know, one of the younger people to, to start off, even to do the reading, you know, um, get them to actually... If, it might be quite powerful if it was a young woman reading the wisdom reading, for example. Mm. Um, and I think I, it's not one that I'm going to do a sort of academic discourse on. I don't think it lends itself to that. I think it, the nature of Proverbs is is that it's meant to be things that speak to you that it's often a little bit funny, a little bit quirky. I think, um, although the wisdom part is is very serious, I think there is something in in Proverbs that says it's okay to take this and run with it and play with it a little bit. Um, It's one of the more more playful books for preachers generally, I think. And uh, when we were chatting just before we started recording, you've you've got an image uh, uh, that's been helpful in your thinking so far. I wonder if you might tell us a bit about that. I don't know much about it, actually. I um, okay. was just looking at images of wisdom with respect to this passage. And it was a, it's a lovely medieval manuscript picture of wisdom. And she's holding up uh, holding up Jesus, if you like. She's So they've, they've taken the idea of wisdom. but um, And she's got this fantastic determined expression. She's just got a jaw that's set like this. And I love it, you know. Um, and she reminded me of all the other strong women we've heard from lately. Um, I was thinking about um, Greta Thunberg, you know, a schoolgirl, not even, you know, not neurotypical, not someone who would naturally have her voice heard. And she's managed to stand and be heard. Um, 
I was thinking about Jen Reed too, um, who's the Black Lives Matter activist who stood on the plinth where Edward Colston's statue stood. Um, what a wonderful image of wisdom speaking to the people, you know, here I am standing up here and I have a right to stand up here and I have a right to be heard. Um, so oh, cut the cut the cut the umings. I've gone into um mode. Yeah, no, it's right. <laughs> and I think um, sometimes an image like that is so powerful and it it, it conveys something um, I mean, I, I remember uh, when I started preaching, you know, PowerPoint was newish and, uh, you know, every, almost every, all the words were on the screen all the time. And now I very rarely ever put anything visual, uh, anything, any words on the screen, but just actually there'll be three or four images that I'll use to walk us through what we're reflecting on together because um, it, it, it just grabs in a different way and I find it so helpful. Um, as well so um, we'll enjoy looking at that as well in our preparation for this week and um, in terms of your uh, your prep generally have there been any particular commentaries or other things that you found helpful or anything else that's come into your your thinking as you've prepped so far I did spend a long time looking at images actually um, I, I usually go on the, the Vanderbilt.edu site that has a lectionary site is brilliant for images um, I, I, look, I looked at a number of images. There's, there's a few that are not really how I would see wisdom, this sort of floaty persona with, um, you know, the, the ones, the, the images I see of wisdom are much more the ones of, that I've talked about, somebody being strong. Um, as I say, it's, it's not the kind of, if I was preaching on Proverbs, I wouldn't spend too long in the commentaries because I don't think that's how it's meant to be used. If you know, if I was preaching on James, I absolutely would. Um, I, I thought more than I normally would, I think about style because it lends itself to style and it lends itself to imagination. Um, I do like people to use their imagination. I mean, having said we shouldn't necessarily identify with wisdom. Um, what I might do, what I have done before, is get people to imagine how, how they would feel if wisdom was standing in the corner of the room shouting at us. What would we do? And that, Okay, here's something political, but I did think about the um, Christian Climate Action protesters going into St. Paul's yeah. Um, because they went into St. Paul's and sat down and they were discussing whether the church should be invested in fossil fuels or not, which it absolutely should not. Um, and I, you know, I was actually slightly horrified to realise that we still were because I thought we'd done disinvestment. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and what did the, what did the authorities in St. Paul's do? They called the cops. And were they actually listening to wisdom at that point? I mean, there, other, there have been other protests in other institutions where the first response has not been to call the police. But you have got a group of people here protesting about the single most important issue of our time, the one that is going to affect the most people. And your response is to say, we'll call the police because you can't, people can't hear the choir. Mm. I did wonder whether that was... I'm really getting into trouble here. <laughs> But I do wonder whether that was the correct response, whether that was the right response, whether the church was at that point listening to wisdom. I will pose that question. Yeah. 
That's um, all right. No, nobody north of the river listens. You're fine. You're totally fine. Okay, that's absolutely <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, in my own prep, I will just uh, wave here Ellen Davis's commentary on Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs. It's in the Westminster Bible Companion. I always enjoy Ellen Davis uh, and her writing generally, um, but I found that particularly helpful, partly because I think for me it does pick up on some of the more playful things that you were you were hinting at as well. I think it. Mm. It captures for me where Proverbs sits uh, really naturally. So I found that very, very helpful. Um, but And thank you so much for coming on to Politics in the Pulpit and sharing your wisdom and your thinking and reflections with us today. We really appreciate it. And thank you to the rest of you for joining us as well. I wish you well with your preaching this week. And uh, let us know if you're um, on Twitter, uh, how you got on with the text. And if there's anything else that you particularly um, found helpful or you're inspired to include. Uh, and you can use the hashtag politics in the pulpit as well. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, you can leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share the episode with your friends. We would love to hear your thoughts, so do join in. But as we finish this morning, we finish with a blessing. So may the blessing of the God of peace and justice be with us. May the blessing of the son who weeps with tears of the world's suffering be with us. May the blessing of the Spirit who inspires us to reconciliation and hope be with us from now into eternity. Amen. Amen. Bless you all. Have a good rest of the day.